Welcome to Beat the Block, a podcast powered by BeatStars, the world's number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. This is a show where we go deeper than the surface and talk about the best producers and artists in the game, not just about their successes, but also the blocks, dark times, mental health, and unpaid work that comes along with it. More importantly, we find out they bounce back and turn their downsides into upsides to make a career out of doing what they love so you can too. Get ready to experience this episode of Beat the Block. What's up, gang? It's your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Ill Brown. What's good, world? It's your man, Trox. Yo, and this is your girl, Candy. And you are live and direct with the Beat the Block podcast, powered by the good folks at Beat Stars. Ladies and gentlemen, today we will be switching it up and talking with the artist, which is dope in my opinion. He's from the land, like what we like to call it. You know what I'm saying? He's from, he's from Chi-Town. You know what I'm saying? He's always stayed true to his sound amongst all the industry BS and politics in this city, which is a whole entire another episode. Everybody give a warm welcome to the homie, Chicago's own Vic Spencer. What's good, family? Yo, what's goody? Yo, what's goody? What's the deal with it, Ill? You got the juice, man. What's goody? Hey, man, we out here uh, trying to stay off that Rona, right. trying not to be a goner. You know what I'm saying? Staying out the way, man. This shit, I have a mask on, but you know, I guess we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, You know, we, we got the effect of social distancing going via the internet right now. So, you know, <laughs> you know safety first, man. Always, you know I mean? always, uh, always. I can dig it, man. Without further ado, man, you know, the people want to know what's happening, man. Let's get right into it. Yes, sir. So first, I'll start off by asking you, how have you been in spite of uh, the Rona and the protest and everything that's been going on 2020 has been dealing us a crazy hand of cards so how have you been like holding up staying busy i definitely been staying busy um i feel like if i was sitting on my ass i probably would have been probably frustrated like a lot of people i see frustrated i don't know i guess uh me being a central worker working with youth that keeps me out and I think the studio is essential as well because I probably lose my mind if I don't have no studio time. I can't afford not to record. So I, I mean, I've been I've been moving around. You know what I'm saying? Blessed to be moving around. Some some people haven't been uh, fortunate as I, uh, losing jobs, and you know you just see the frustration just uh, like a domino effect now. You know what I'm saying? And yes, 2020 has just been crazy from you know from what the world and the deaths and yeah, it's just like the beginning of a new decade. It's just like, whoa, like the one of the worst ever. You know what I'm so it's, it's crazy. It's a joke. Yeah. You know, but I'm a Libra, so I, I balance it well. Hmm. Word, you a Libra too? I'm a Libra that's too. Talk about Libra gang. Yes. That's right, Libra uh-huh. gang. <laughs> that's what's up. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been channeling uh, their energy through music, staying busy. I think for creatives, it, it kind of has been good for us not being able to actually be out for real for real we can actually stay in and kind of lock in and and get more work done than we normally would have you know so that's perfect well i'm gonna kick it off we're gonna start tell me about your childhood i know that this isn't the happiest place to start but you ended up going through group homes and foster care that actually led you into music can you tell us about those times and how you were able to get into music from that experience? 
I started entering the group homes eighth grade. That was uh, 95. So uh, when I first went, you know, I was always into basketball. I was I was hooping crazy. You know what I'm saying? I was almost thinking that I was going to go to the league type. You know what I'm saying? And I started hitting these group homes and basically just being in the DCFS ward of the system, being a, a ward of the state because my, my mom and dad was neglectful, use of drugs. Uh, I was outside at uh, late hours, two, four in the morning on my big wheel, knowing I wasn't supposed to, stuff like that. And that's how, uh, that's how the group homes and foster care ended up happening. So, you know, all my dreams and aspirations of being a basketball player was taken away from me because of that. So instead of me beating myself up or beating anybody else up, I was like, well, well maybe I'll go to my second thing that I like to do, which is rap, you know what I'm saying? So I, you know, would be on these restrictions at group homes and stuff like that. And uh, I just was like, man, I'm just gonna go full throttle with the, with the, with the works. And that was around the time uh, Red Man's Tonight's Tonight came out. I think that's when I first decided to pick up a pen at that moment right there. You know what I'm saying? I, Red Man Tonight's Tonight did that. Red Man's Tonight's Tonight, Boogie Monsters, Recognize Thresholds and Negative Stress, Nas, It Ain't Hard to Tell, all that, man. During that year was kind of like a crazy, you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, okay, I gotta, I like rap, I'm gonna get to it. But I didn't really get to it like I was supposed to because I was too busy trying to survive. But then when they like completely stripped me away from this, uh, I was supposed to go to this Alonzo Morning basketball camp back in uh, 96. And it got taken away from me. So I was like, man, I need to, uh, instead of, you know, channeling the frustration on staff members and terrorizing the group home, I just went to the table and started pinning my bars and, and, and sharpening my blade and, and and going crazy on that. So I, I tried to turn around some some negativity that was happening at that time and I used it as a positive. You know what I'm saying? So I, I made it happen. I, that's how I really got my claim to fame in the music. That's when I really started doing music. Man, that's what's up. That's incredible. I mean, to be in that situation at a young age, would you say that music pretty much like saved you it kind of yeah absolutely definitely saved me because i could have been I, I i watched a lot of my homies pass away or in jail you know what i'm saying because they didn't do what they really they real calling was they wanted the fad like group home was just like the streets you know what i'm saying it was mine and that selling drugs it was mine and that gang banging all types of it was it's like the streets in a little mint in a in a in a in a in a, uh, in a facility it's the streets in the facility, you know what I'm saying? So I was around it still, and I've seen, you know, some come and go. And I also been in the position where I was able to lead, you know what I'm saying? I, here I am, you know, a, 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 a hip hop head, music head. I, I went to shop up in Tony Sports just like everybody else did in the 90s. And you know what I'm saying? I was going home, I was going to a group home where it was a lot of what's going on in the streets happening there but at the same time I was able to develop the leadership that the guys that was in the group home was kind of like following whatever I was doing you know what I'm saying I was recording on the karaoke machine like I was in the studio had no access to no studios or nothing so you I, I could just 
like if I can go and reflect back, like I can't imagine how much, how much I would have like had to really endure if I would have like stayed in the loop with what I was doing. Cause I really didn't know what I was doing. All I know is I was just recording in the room and all that. But then I started seeing all my peers do, you know what I'm saying? These same cats that was, you know what I'm saying? In the streets. So people looked at me like I was the leader. Like I was a, a social genius, you know what I'm saying? And I, I ain't know what that shit meant back then. I ain't gonna even lie, but you know what I'm saying? But that's what I was, that's what I was on. And once I, I feel like, man, as a, as a person, once I got my wheels hooked on or on, on some specific road, I'm gonna drive down to the fullest. Facts. You really turn lemons into lemonades, you know, making, making music, especially being in a group home and dealing with all that pressure and anxiety and going through everything. You toured group homes too. Like how did you even transition into that? Like I was saying with the uh, with the leadership role, I was basically given the opportunity to uh, create an album that spoke on my life being in the system. And um, I know that that affects a lot of young people across the country and those people did too. So when they saw that leadership develop, you know, we, we we started scouting talent throughout the group home, trying to figure out how we gonna formulate a group so we could, you know, do the touring and all of that stuff. So we started with like, I wanna say like 20 people. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Crazy. 20 people that was gonna be on this album. And you found out who the ones that's serious, who's the ones not serious, you know what I'm saying? And then it'd go down to four. I remember we were all like hungry because we we never had like real access to the studio. We never had like we had never we had nothing. You know what I'm saying? All we had was the idea of doing. It. So once we got access to the studio, and you know, this makers did our uh, our whole album layout and all that shit. It was professional as hell. It was super professional. And um, we started to go out and tour different group homes and uh, and different foster care forms and stuff like that. I remember going to Connecticut, Yukon. You know what I'm saying? We performed not in the uh, in the stadium, but like they had like some uh, entertainment building where they would host different things. And this time it was a foster care alumni anniversary or something like that. And it's just a room of foster parents, a whole room of like. People that's adopted kids, uh, people that's interested, people that's doing it all like in this room, you know what I'm saying? Easy. And with the entertainment piece, like anytime like the DCFS system would have something, no matter where it was at, we was in Sacramento, went to DC, we, we traveled. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Off this album, like off this group home album, we we really traveled, like, you know what I'm saying? We really got our feet wet with performing and all that. I think that was what really developed. Vic Spencer and as a solo artist because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to teach 17-year-old group home kids when I turned 40. I know that I wasn't going to be able to do that. It wasn't going to be, you know, the generational cloak is, is a lot different now. So, you know, we made the best of what we could at that time and it was beautiful, you know what I'm saying? We made an impact and it felt like when I go to these group homes or anything in that sort, it's sort of like I'm a star or something because I really was a success story. I really did it. I made it. Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of people in positions like there were periods of time in my childhood where stuff wasn't pretty too. So I kind of understand an aspect of that 
And I think it's, it's pretty amazing that you were able to get exposure and experience, even though going through that, it was almost, it's almost like a paradox. Like, this is my life, but I'm able to travel and, and influence other people that are in the same position um, and that are going through the same situation that I'm going through. Man, you would be surprised how many people didn't believe that I lived in the group home. I, I mean, I carried myself like I was, I mean, I was a regular person, but I carried myself, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't doing nothing different from what nobody, I was doing the same thing everybody else was doing. I had the same clothes. I was wearing iceberg in the 90s. <laughs> I was out, I was doing the most. Right. I done it, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like when my homies was like, man, Joe, how the hell you get in the group home? It was more like, they looked at it like, damn, was you a bad person? So for them to see, I make, lemonade out of the lemons man it was like man they wanted to be around more and i think that's what happened with the group home with the, with my whole group home experience and the whole uh music experience as well people thought people seen it from the outside looking in like damn like Vic really take this shit serious and he ain't even in no studio you know what i'm saying let's put him in the studio see how he take that you know and, and it happened to work out for me. exactly so for the listeners especially now today i mean there are so many youth that are in similar situations and they think that their dreams are completely not attainable mm -hmm. because of their situations that didn't have nothing to do with them. You know, given growing up with the family issues or money or, you know, whatever it may be, what advice would you give someone that has these big dreams and aspirations, you know, and how would they get through it with music like you did? I just, I just asked a question, like, do you want it? Like, what do you want? I feel like certain people work well with people once they know where they at in life or where they want to go. You know what I'm saying? And if I know somebody that's in, that used to be in a situation as me, if I know where they want to go, I'm obliged to be a vehicle to that. I suppose to, you know, at least wing them on to something. Or if you really want it, you know what I'm saying? You already be fishing towards it. No matter if it's small, something obtainable, you know what I'm saying? If you fishing for it, then it works. You know what I'm saying? I don't see people, I don't see kids right now in the group home with a karaoke machine. All they thinking about is, man, put me in the studio, put me in the studio, put me in the studio. I got it, man, I got it. Nah, it's more than that. You know what I'm saying? It's more than that. And I feel like I feel like I realized I had to realize that from doing those karaoke and all that. Cause I used to be like, man, if we can't one take it, then we ain't gonna make it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it ain't no choice. You ain't got no choice when you recording on the cassette tape. Right. And you got a freestyle, you got a uh, freestyle and you got an instrumental going. Ain't no do-overs and dubs and whatnot. You one take and we out here. You know what I'm saying? That's And that was what the practice was. That was the sharpening blade. But if you ain't got past that phase, then you know what I'm saying? Do you really want it? And I would say to them also to uh, work on yourself too because you know it's a it's so much going on in the world right now and kids kids ain't thinking about that they thinking about surviving so I think that the generation my generation and how I grew up is definitely a lot different but the only thing that I can instill is what I did you know what I'm saying because I'm the same I'm the product of the environment so all I can do is really hey I did this I did this I did this maybe you should do the same thing because maybe it might not work out for them. Maybe it will. But if you don't try, if you don't know what you're doing, then it's pointless. 
So I, I would just say, what you doing? What is that? that I just ask a question, like, what, what is it that you want? What are you doing for it? I agree. Indeed. Some, they they got to just get out of their comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? Just at least try, man. Yeah. You don't grow if you stay in that comfort zone. Yeah. Nobody gave me nothing. I didn't. I was doing this on my own. I think that's where a lot of opportunities come from, Trox. I think that if people doing see you doing shit on their own, on your own, then it's like, oh, man, let me help them. Let me push them real quick. Let me just tap them on the shoulder. That'll push them like 80 feet farther. So I think that, yeah, I think that just comes with anything. Like, man, if you already got your mind on something and somebody just gives you that push, they really gave you that push because, shit, they seen that you, all oh, it's all you needed. You was hungry already. And it's so much easier to help that way. You'd be pulling teeth if you're trying to, you know what I'm saying, a kid rapping, he ain't never spit not one bar ever in his life. Pulling teeth. And then he, and then he got... He gotta get his feet wet. He gotta go out like a lion, like a like a, a a baby lion, man. You gotta go get your first. You gotta go get your first meal. You know what I'm saying? Indeed, man. If the cats cats aren't gonna help you if you're not willing to help yourself. That is facts. That is big facts. No doubt. No doubt. So, being that we're both essential workers, we also do music, and we're also family men. Yeah, that's right. How do you balance that? <sighs> man, gee. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like this shit? You don't. You something's always gonna get the most of the time. I feel like all of the, all of it, it, it has to get done. You know what I'm saying? You gotta go to work. You gotta take care of your family. You know what I'm saying? In order for me to stay sane, I have to do music. If I'm not sane, then I can't take care of nobody. So it's like all of it is tied into each other. So it's like you gotta do this shit, trust. Yeah. Like gotta do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like man, as an adult, it's all adult. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, if it. You definitely got to balance it out because, you know what I'm saying, wifey will get on my ass if I spend too much time on the music and I'm not at the crib with the kids and her. So you got to deal with that. And, you know, if you spend too much time not doing your job, it's going to show that you lacking. You, you, you know what I mean? Kids going to be looking at you crazy. So I, you know, me working with youth, I always have to keep my word. I always have to be on it because it's in, a, you know, kids being teenagers now, it's kind of like in a sensitive role. So I feel like, man, as adults, you just got to do what you got to do. And if all of it is make memes and making you a better person, then shit, you got to go for it, yo. Word. Dude, like, so how do you like compartmentalize that time? Like, like you, your output has been crazy over the last five years and you've been, you've been doing all this other shit too. Like, how do you find the time? Just get up and do that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know I'm not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to, like, you got all, like, family, all that. You ain't supposed to be thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to think about others for you. But I got, I feel like that shit got to get done. If I don't be a leader and do it, then it's not going to get done. You know what I'm saying? If I don't go to the studio, then I'm not going to get it done recorded. So, I, man, I used to, be, I, I reversed a lot of things. I used to be in the studio, or I used to sleep in the studio. That used to be my thing, sleeping in the studio. I, man, I would record, wake up and record, wake up and record, cool. And then go to work the next day, cool. And it was like a routine. But, you know, settled down, had two kids, got a wife. And I can't do that no more. So now I go to the studio every Sunday, four hours. So that's doing music for four hours for the past 10 years. I've been able to accumulate a lot of tunes. So... I just feel like, man, if I dedicate those four hours, I feel like I've spent the week worth. You know what I mean? So, I, man, I just do it. Just go ahead and do it, man. But 
you know, to answer your question, man, shit, studio music studio get only four hours. You know what I'm saying? But you never know. Like a situation come up where I need to go in the studio in the middle of the week. It has to get done. It's bringing food on the table, so it has to get done. It's, it's sort of like work. It gets treated like work after a while. You know Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just got I just do it. I just do it, trucks. I know I know you gotta feel like get it done. You, how do you give this much time to this? Then you gotta work. I just do it, man. I work it out. I got a kid right now on the phone telling me, like, man, yo, I need my state ID. I'm gonna take them too. Go. I'm gonna take them too. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing the interview. And you just got to do it. You just got to, you know. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely, man. That's the energy you got to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what anything. Just got to get up and do it, man. You feel like if you're the only person that can get it done, then you just got to make, put the action behind it and get it done. I'm going to throw a bar out there before I ask this next question. Mm. You know, the cost of victory is the coldest shit to drop ever. I can name 100 rappers that's not better. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's that's one of your bars. <laughs> <laughs> Almost forgot. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that though, man. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the cost of victory. That album, man, which is extremely dope, is in heavy rotation. Stays in heavy rotation in my playlist and all of that. Right. I know that project uh, actually ultimately became a, a breakthrough for you, man. Uh, let's talk about that breakthrough moment a little bit. Let's touch on that. I feel like uh, at the at the time I was making music, I probably was at the top of my game at making, creating, and art and all of that. But what I wanted to challenge myself is how do I defeat? Like I, that was my first approach of how do I defeat my last project? And that was my first time having that approach when I was creating the cost of victory. And you know what I'm saying? And I feel like. At that time, man, I was still like a local guy. I still didn't have like the big cosigns. I didn't have like, I, I was over 30. I thought it was over with for me, really. But I still had the hunger to go to the studio and record. And people still were sending me beats. I had the likes of Tony Bain sending me beats. I had the, you know what I'm saying? I had Prime Meridian. I was working with Black Spade and Prime Meridian at the time. Like I was around people that was, you know, that could have been some sort of inspiration. So I just kind of like, sat back and observed and was creating songs in that matter man every song and I, I felt like I wanted to be the driver the back the guy in the back seat the, the sounds in the trunk I wanted to be everything you know what I'm saying I wanted to I wanted to sequence the album I wanted to I wanted to do I wanted to, what the artwork to be I, everything about it was pure of expensive and I think that's what made it so dope, like, you know what I mean? I went on the top of roof, of the, the the artwork was drawn on a canvas, and I got the canvas right here, by the way, you know what I mean? Big. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, shit. And they took a picture of this. The original canvas. Yeah, they took a picture of this, and that was the artwork. But me laying down, I was laying down on the rooftop at UIC downtown. It's nothing but rocks up there. I was laying on those rocks, and I took this exact picture. And I told the artist, who was my homie Word, man, shouts to Word, man. I told him, yes, like, yo, I wanted to look like I defeated some demons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I defeated my demons. You know, all, I, like, everything about the entire album, the experience was all pure Vic Spencer, 100%. And I think that's why it worked out so well. You know what I mean? And then I had my idol on it. Sean Price had one of my greatest idols on it. You know what I'm saying? When I found out that he liked my music, I took a trip to New York, you know what I'm saying? And the only thing I went with was Dr. Mind Bend the Beast, and I was determined. 
to be in the studio with Sean Price. And I let him hear what I had recorded for the album. He played Dead Stock like seven, eight times in the kitchen with my grim, man. I'll never forget that, man. Like, I'm sitting in that man's kitchen like, hey, Joe, I'm in Sean Price kitchen, Joe. He listening to Dead Stock. Jeez, this shit is crazy. <laughs> That's dope. Before the album was even out, you know what I mean? We went and recorded Jungle Gym. And that shit was epic, man. Like, you know what I mean? Everything about that album is epic. Like, Sean Price wanted to remix that album at one point. He wanted to be on, um, last thing Sean Price asked for me, he was like, man, yo, I'm about to like remix all my friends, all my homies, uh, some of their songs and shit. And he wanted uh, Lumber in the Condo beat. That's the beat that he wanted. And it was crazy because that's one of the first beats that I produced, that I that I arranged and hooped up and put it together. So I was like, damn, man, my Sean Price like my sound too. That shit cold, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That was right before he passed. Like that was one of the things that he wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I sent them the instrumental. I don't even know if he rapped over it or not. But it was I was happy to see him call my phone. It was like, yo. Who record? Who did that lumber in the condo beat? I was like, I did that. She's like, word. Like, yeah, man. I was like, man, I sampled some Bilal. <laughs> He's like, what? Like, man, this shit is crazy. I need that. You know, that was the last. That was like one of the last few conversations I had with Sean Price. No doubt, man. And that, and that's, and that's beautiful, man. And it came, and that album was ranked. What was it ranked? Nineteen out of forty. Yeah. That year. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? And you got to think about that year. That's the year that uh, Mick Jenkins tried to shit on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 2015 was a real rough year for Big Spencer in the Chicago scene. So it was like a smack in the face to to the Chicago scene because, you know what I'm saying, the album came out in January, late January. And um, in December, all of these accolades that came out, I think the cause of victory had like a what was it, 7.3 on the uh, on the Pitchfork reviews? Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? I think that album got the most accolades. It, like, I don't even get those kind of reviews right now. I feel like I'm a lot better. You know what I'm saying? But I don't get those kind of reviews right now. But that that album got all of the accolades, all the accolades that a, that a rapper will want. You know what I'm saying? It got it got ranked. I ain't have no PR or none of that shit. So just for the, just to see how my mindset worked. I sequenced the art, everything, did everything. Went to New York and met my idol, everything. He's on there. I got Illa G on there. Yes, sir. I got the Legends Prime Meridian on there. Like, you know what I'm saying? From the crib, you all feel day. me? So it's like, all of that stuff put together. It just, you know, it, it feels like a debut outdoor. What? No doubt. It's the biggest of my career right now. No doubt. It is one of those things too, man, when, uh, it's crazy, like, when you chef everything, uh, I like to say, you know what I mean? Where you, you're in total control, man. It's a different attachment you have to that work. You know what I'm saying? The universe kind of, you know, grants you extra special treatment when you put that much into it, man. It's like a reward, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Definitely one of my favorite bodies of work of yours, man. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. I was uh, reading something that Kobe Bryant had wrote a while back about attacking the obsession. If you obsessed with it, you don't give a fuck about what somebody else think about it. You gonna keep attacking it till you get what you want. And I think that's the, I think that's what, that was my approach with the cost of victory. You know, and from here on out, cause I still be thinking like, how the fuck can I top beautiful piece of shit? How could I top all the Simpsons, uh, the, the, what, the shit me and Trox got? 
You know what I'm saying? Ah, the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I be trying to think of shit like that. I be trying to, like, man, how could I beat this? How could I go about it? And it's like, shit, if I started paying attention to me getting blog looks after the after the cost of victory, I would be highly discouraged right now. Highly. Because, hey, man, you don't see me on no platforms. You don't see me on those platforms. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I still think it's a black ball situation. Like it's a lot of different discouragements, but I've always persevered through all of that, just believing in the music that I create. I love it. I, I love it like I don't do it. You know what I'm saying? I love it like it ain't my. It ain't like it ain't me spitting that shit. You feel me? No doubt, no doubt, man. Yo, what up, Il Brown? I'm thinking of signing up for B Stars. What's your experience like? Man, bro, B-Stars came through for me at a tough time, man. Uh, Of course, the industry is much different now. It gave me a platform where I didn't have to build my own website, and I was able to upload my beats and sell them and engage with the community, man. I had a crazy first month, man. Did like 4K in sales. Wow. And I've been a fan and a member of B-Stars ever since. Sign up on B-Stars to start making money with your beats. Go to bit.ly slash beattheblock1. Again, that's bit.ly slash beat the block number one. Peace. You know, I feel like we got a similar story, man, with uh being in Chicago and being able to accomplish things, you know, without the support system and you know, mm-hmm. of the industry that's mm-hmm. in place here. What, yeah. what little industry we do have in place here. Let's talk about that, man. Like, you know, it's a very, it's a very polarizing topic. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I personally know, like, hey, man, a lot of people uh, go out of their way to hate on a cat like, you know, Il Brown, a cat like Vic Spencer. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, nobody really helped us. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I remember being on Twitter when Sean Price was like, yo, Vic Spencer is the best rapper in Chicago. And I was like, just throwing, going through my head, like, I can't really say fam is wrong. You know what I'm saying? So I remember jumping on the status like, hey, Vic put in work, man. Throw out some names is better. And a mm-hmm. lot of Chicago rappers felt a way about that. Let's talk about that a little bit, man, because I remember seeing that shit with my own eyes. I do too. And being like, yo, I really can't dispute that. You know what I'm saying? But it was a lot of people that was trying to dispute it. And it was the irony is that a lot of them ain't doing shit right now, but I want you to touch on that, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man, we could be hunted about yeah, that. Let's do you that. know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember when I saw the tweet myself, and um, I was doing laundry. That shit's crazy. I was doing laundry. I'm like, oh, shit. And then Sean Price called me. He's like, he like yo, he like, you, he, you cool with Hustle Simmons? I said, yeah, I'm cool with Hustle Simmons. Yeah, he cool, you know what I'm saying? He like, yeah, man, you know, I, I only fuck with him because he be wearing a lot of dope sneakers, man. I think he a cool cat, too, but he be wearing sneakers. That's what drove me. That's what drew me to liking him. But he's like, do he? Why he don't never look out for you? I'm like, man, shit, you ask that nigga that shit. You know what I mean? If you feel like Hustle Simmons got any kind of leeway, then won't you, you know what I'm saying? Won't you ask him that shit? And then I seen him at Hustle Simmons. He added to Hustle Simmons. It was like, sir... Vic Spencer is the rawest rapper in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. You can see all the fumbling. You can see all the fumbling, mumbling, jumbling going on through the comments after that. Oh, like, man. You can just see it. Yeah, man, I believed in Vic a long time ago. Woo, 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 woo. 
But Hustle Simmons ain't did shit for my career. That's the fact. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shouts to Hustle Simmons, but man, that mug ain't did. You could think, man, that mug was one of the taste. Oh, yeah. I could merge that. I feel like Hustle Simmons was the reason me and Suleiman started doing albums because he was in his car. They was listening to some beats and I was just freestyling right next to Hustle Simmons' car and Suli rapping too. That was the beginning of me and Suli's forte. Yes, sir. But, you know, Hustle Simmons had all these accolades. He ain't throwing not one dart our way. But we ain't, I ain't care about that. That's not even the, the icebreaker of the blackballing and the hating and all that. Like, I feel like, man, when I said I was the greatest rapper, when I said I was the best rapper in Chicago, a lot of my peers, i.e. Chance the Rapper, i.e. Vic Mensa, Leather Corduroys, these are boys that I was picking up from, from their cribs, taking them to my studio sessions, putting them on songs when nobody gave a fuck about them niggas. Not one, nobody gave a fuck about Chance. Y'all hear me? Oh, nobody. You feel me? I can merch it. That man, I can merch it. That man smoked up my cigarettes, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? My studio time, all that shit was done on my time. You know what I'm saying? And you don't see none of them when you look up any history on those guys. Vic Spencer is excluded because it's a blackballed situation, man. I look like food on plate to them. You know what I'm saying? They not going to big up nobody that look like food, that look delicious. They trying to get down. They ain't trying to say a word. So... Me, I'm not afraid of uh, competition. I, I'm not afraid of giving people props who actually deserves it. You know, I don't feel like it'll hinder my artistry. No doubt. You know what I mean? But a lot of people are insecure of their artistry. I'm not. I'm very secure. I'm very confident in what I create. And I believe in that shit. So it's like, I'm supposed to say I'm the best rapper. Well, I'm supposed to say I'm the second best rapper. <laughs> it don't even make nah, sense. If, you if you're not first, you're last. It don't sound good at all. <laughs> we don't sign. We don't yeah, sign exactly. up for that. That's you know what I mean? We don't sign up to say yeah, that. Yeah, we ain't sign up for that. We don't do those on these times. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, I feel like, man, my peers supposed to have that same kind of energy for themselves. I wasn't trying to shit on them saying I wasn't trying to shit on no Chicago rapper saying I'm the best rapper in Chicago. But we in a competitive city. It's like, man, you know what I'm saying? You can't say that. But I'm going to break rules. I'm going to break barriers. I'm going to break the ice. I'm that kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm that kind of rapper. You know, I'm going to break the ice. I'm not doing the norm. I'm not, you know, you know, I might do a hook on the song. I might not. I might just rap the hook part too. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no rules. And people learn to accept that of who I am. But I, I started to believe back in like when Chance and them started to come up, I, it was like the year of the manager, the year of the quote unquote manager. Like these managers was like tastemakers and gatekeepers and they will only be attracting young artists in my mid twenties when all of this is going on, going pushing 30 and everybody's getting, I felt like I'm getting overlooked because you know, all of these guys that I was coming to pick up at their cribs and they smoking up my weed and my cigarettes and all that, they getting the looks. So everybody like, damn, Vic, where your looks at? You know what I'm saying? And here I am. Should have been like, hey, man, I put y'all on. Why y'all ain't going to do the same? And, and, and it didn't happen. So I just rebelled from the scene, from the Chicago scene. I just rebelled. Like, fuck y'all. You know what I'm saying? I can do it without y'all. That was actually around the time I left and went to California because I got tired of the same things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was getting to the point where cats were sharing my content and my work 
on their platforms, boosting their numbers, and then they would take it down when I got wind of it. And I was just like, yo, mm. as as you would say, bro, that's cock buffing behavior, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let me get back here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I mean, literally, I, I would I would I would like hop on Twitter. You know, I I I'm in and out on Twitter. So I would I would hop on Twitter real quick and be like, yo. Appreciate the share, whatever, man. Let's build. Let's do some more. And then I would see the content come down and and just be like, what is that all about? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the most counterproductive shit I've ever been a part of. You know what I'm saying? And, and I've, I've witnessed cats do it to artists like yourself, you know, on an almost a daily basis. I would be like pulling up to events and stuff and, and talking directly to these people. I mean, for those who haven't seen Neil Brown in person, I, I kind of don't look like the type of person that you would try to swing on. You know what I'm saying? So I would pull up and be like, yo, like, let's build, man. Like, what's up? What's with all this weirdo stuff? You know what I'm saying? Like, if we have a lot of dope artists, a lot of dope producers, a lot of dope tastemakers. We all should be throwing each other alley-oops. You know what I mean? Period. And, you know, being one of the... I mean, not one of them, the only rep from Team Backpack in the city at the time. I was like, man, I'm going to put my people from the city on and not show no favoritism. Like, if you got something dope, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting it on there. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, a lot of people didn't even know Chicago had it like that, man. So I was just pro anything that was anti-establishment as far as the tastemakers and the gatekeepers going, man. You know, I, I want to kill all gatekeeper culture, man. So, you know what I mean? That's what I'm going to piggyback to my next question. Around that time, let's talk about the sound that you developed because everybody was making music for Doritos commercials and all of that. And you stuck to your own sound, man. Like, let the listeners know how staying true to your sound could bear fruit, man, as far as being an artist. Vic, we have a lot of producers on this platform, of course, as beat stars, um, where everybody everybody's a superstar. I'm curious to how you think producers should look for artists to work with nowadays. Like, looking back, you know, I know growing up in Chicago, I'm from Detroit, but I've been living in Chicago for about 10 years. But being from the D, it's kind of hard. It's really clickish, um, trying to find your audience and, and finding your producers that really rock with you. How would you say producers should have the approach of finding artists to work with today? I think they should study the artist's work first. Study it, like, to the T. And then, second, I just follow up, follow up, follow them on social media. I feel like when a producer reach out to me and I don't know who they are or whatever, they usually just DM me and was like, yo, I've been listening to your shit. That'd be the first one. Yo, I'll be listening to your shit. I want to send you something. What, what's the email? The rapper's not an asshole, then get his email. You know what I'm saying? I don't think uh, it's not soliciting at that point. Soliciting is when, I, I, the only thing that I'm annoyed by something like that is when they solicit. Like somebody is send music and then when you pick the music, Oh uh, yeah, I charge for this. Man, you 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 the one dropped in my DMs, man. I ain't hopping your DMs. Reached out to me. Right. Bars, then I be accepting to that. I'm not as list out here hopping in rappers DMs and producers DMs. Like, man, I do this verse for you and this and that. I, I ain't I ain't doing that. So I would want that same kind of respect. Or you know what I'm saying? If if a producer send me something, 
that I'm not saying that they're not supposed to get paid for their music or whatsoever, but that's not the way to do it. You you got to network with people around. You know, like, I don't I don't think people is fond of giving other people money on the internet. You know what I'm saying? I'm an old school guy. That's at least that's my take. But for younger guys that younger producers or producers that want to get their music onto rappers, they just got to listen to their ass. Let's go listen to the rappers that you fuck with or you want on your music. Go listen to it. Go ask them for acapellas and send them and, and, and like, man, or be like, yo, let me get an acapella of your music. I want to put a beat on it. Maybe you'll like it that way. You have to give yourself room for for a better opportunity because if you can do that then they'll be like oh man you can remix this whole album for me then you know what I'm saying like you gotta open I feel like producers has to be more open minded about just sending an artist a rapper a beat it's not just the, it's not just that you gotta think you gotta take into consideration that the artist took time to listen to that shit the artist wrote to that shit that's man hours you know recorded that shit that's real man time man hours I remember prime example it's a guy named Dot Org. Recent. This is recently. I don't even know where he's from. That's how recent the shit is. He sent me a link to him remixing a lot of Biggie songs, Biggie acapella on it. And he put, he had this raw ass beat on for, for One More Chance, Biggie One More Chance. And I was like, dog, if I had that beat, bro, I would body that shit. He's like, saw yours, saw yours. But that's all that he needed to get my attention. He didn't have to send me no beats. You know what I'm saying? He just was like, man, yo, it, you know, if you if you fuck with Biggie, man, listen to this shit. You know what I'm saying? And I listened to that shit. Yeah, I'm like, man, this shit sounds groovy to the motherfucker. And dude sent me the beat. And I bought the beat, sent it back to him. He's so excited. He, he like, man, let me put the song up. I'm like, hold oh, no, on, man, this shit might go on my album, man. Be smooth. <laughs> it might be a great opportunity. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, patience, patience, and just think outside of the norm of just thinking about it, just sending an artist a beat. You know what I'm saying? Get, you know, I, I, I like, a, I'm a music head. I would rather sit and listen to millions of beats just because I, that, I, that's what type of guy I am. I, I sit down and listen to some beats. You know, I love it. You know what I mean? But the way the, it has to hit, it has to hit me. If I give you an opportunity, at least study my shit and study my work. Send me something that you think that I'll rap on, not something that you hear me on. You know what I'm saying? Just think of something that like, oh shit, yeah, this got fake written all over. There's some guys that can do that right now and send me fire. I think that's how I be coming out with the most fire or got the best ear for beats because people actually listen when I say, hey, you know what I'm saying? You have to you have to tap into my catalog, to my hood. You have to study. You know what I'm saying? And I think I come out with the best results and they do too because we build a relationship and it goes on and on. No doubt. I'll tell the story about how we got linked up. It was actually through a mutual friend. Uh, shout out to GQ, Chicago's finest. GQ, GQ yes sir. He knows every yes. fucking body. Yeah, he knows everybody. <laughs> he's that's that's a real dot connector right there, there, man. We need to give him his flowers while he's here. You know what I'm saying? Got to. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's my man. The mayor. Yeah, he's, that's he's, a he's, must. He's, he's the real mayor. He's, he's the, the real mayor. The real mayor, real mayor yeah. of Chicago, right there, man. Mm-hmm. But yo, like he put yeah. us in a group text. Yeah. Like, yo, Trox, this is Vic Spencer. I'm like, of course, I'm familiar, man. So I got a folder ready that same day. Send it to him. Yeah. And what I do the next day? Yeah, body some shit. Exactly. Auto That's from the exactly Simpsons. exactly how it go down. 
That's how it go down over in the Vic Spencerville. Like, I'm big on turnaround. I'm big on that. I'm big on that. And, and if it smacks me, then I'm going to give it the best shits possible. That's just my calling, man. But you sent you sent the a beat pack group, and it was like two of them that I was fucking with tough. And I was like, man, I don't know which one I'm gonna do. And I remember hitting trucks like, you know what? Now nah, I'm gonna change my mind. I'm gonna do this. Worked out. And then I ended up doing the other one. And he's like, oh shit, there. I sent it back in the group chat just so GQ can see how accurate the turnaround was. And he's like, oh shit, you know what I'm saying? God damn, you know what I'm saying? So it's like me. Impressing my friends, you know what I'm saying? I like to do that. I was trying to boast trucks that I can do this shit. I, could try, I was trying to show you I could do this shit. Hey, hey, man. We have more work to do. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Definitely. That's a fact. That's mandatory, trucks. Doubt, no doubt. So you've talked about drowning yourself in your passion mm-hmm. to keep yourself in a good headspace. Can you explain that? Man, yo, just imagine being in the situations that I've been in and not having, I'm like, man, it, I numb myself from family. I numb myself from the situations that I was going through and just drowned myself in my work. I feel like, man, we nobody in the world has time to do that. I mean, I feel like in my situation, I never had, I don't feel like I had the time to do that, but I don't know, I just did that shit. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I numbed everything. Like, I, sometimes I feel like I haven't dealt with the fact that I was a DCFS ward of the state or I lived in Coupon. Like, I've not really dealt with like damn nigga I just went through that you know what I'm saying I don't think I really did because I was so focused man I love music that much you know what I'm saying I feel like I went from collecting toys to collecting basketball cards to collecting music and I feel like each one of those subjects I went hard in like I had all the G.I. Joe's you know what I'm saying I had all the Ninja Turtles I was big on all that shit Hell, man, all that shit. Then when I got the, when I when I uh, started collecting basketball cards, I had all of the Chris Webber cards. That was my man. I had all of the Jordan cards. All I had books. I had uh, Beckett uh, Price Price magazine. See what I'm saying? I was mm-hmm. going hard on that shit. Then it, I started collecting CDs. I remember copying my first CD, which was the Don't Be a Minute soundtrack or. Uh, I think it was Don't Be A Minute soundtrack or the uh, Cell Block. It was a Cell Block compilation that Richie Rich, like West Coast shit. I was a West Coast listener. Yep. You know what I'm saying? In the 90s. Well, well Midwest shit too because I was top authority. You know what I'm saying? And after from that, yeah, I just started collecting music crazy. Now I collect music and, and sneakers crazy. I guess I just like I don't want to be dead. All that shit is bad, man. All that shit is toxic. All that shit I went through is bad, fuck me, man. So I feel like, man, the good for me was to find things that make me happy and fucking capitalize off of make a, make an opportunity out of it. I feel like, man, that's what I had to do, man, to stay sane, man, or I'd have been dead or gone or in jail, Joe. You know what I'm saying? So I had, I feel like me drowning myself in the mule, I felt like that was my only option that made sense that I, that I knew that I could do. Some people just do what they can't do just because they can try to do it and it don't work out. But it always works out when you know what you want to do and you go and do it. Always works out. Indeed. I know you have some hilarious rap life stories, so just tell me one. 
<laughs> Rap life alert. Like on, on like what you got to give me. You got to be specific with that. Like to, it, like crazy funny or crazy wild or you know what I'm saying. What's up with the weed brownies with Helter Skelter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah, some weed brownies. Yeah, man. While I was out recording with Sean Price in New York, I was out there for a whole weekend and um, my boy uh, Anthony Mace, shout out to fucking Anthony. You know what I mean? He invited us to his crib to watch the uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao fight. Mm. And um, shit, we was at his crib and, and uh, Ruck and Rock from Helter Skelter. You know what I'm saying? They was there. Sean Price's wife was there. You know what I'm saying? Rim was there. You know what I mean? We in there chilling and eating weed brownies. And I just went and looked around the room and was like, I'm really eating weed brownies with Helter Skelter right now? How many did you eat? <laughs> Three. Damn, man, you wild. Yeah, the little, they had like little square bites. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. The little squares. They wasn't like the big, the nice average size slice of brownie cake. But it was like almost bite size. Had like three of them. I was gonna say it was like three of the regular joints. I'm like, yo, you are wilding out, Victor. You are wilding out. Yeah, I wouldn't overdo it. I wouldn't overdo it. You know what I'm saying? That because that edible high is a whole different kind of high. It's like the first time you ever get high on flour. Every time you eat that shit, every time <laughs> it's like. Yeah. But it's all over your body. Yeah, yeah. It shows all in your face. But yo, if you could go back in time and talk to little Vic, younger Vic, what kind of advice would you give him? Man, Joe, what would I tell that little mom, man? I think I had asked this one time, or somebody asked me this one time before. I said, I said something about um, stay consistent, man. Stay stay persistent, stay consistent, and uh, be, stay yourself. You are the brand, you the man, you know what I'm saying? You the man. I keep encouraging. I just keep encouraging little Vic. Like you the man. You can you got it. You the best. You the you the best rapper too. And I tell him that right now. Like you the best rapper. You young E probably trash. You the best rapper right now. You know what I'm saying? You the, you one of the flyers. I uplift them. I just just keep encouraging them and keep uplifting them. That's all you can do. That's what you should do. Yeah. You've accomplished uh a lot, you know, especially coming from the shy and and a place that you know I would say I'm a, I'm from the Midwest like I said before I'm from the D and when I moved here I saw a lot of people actually getting on and in Detroit even though it's like Motown that that city was like definitely blackballed for a long time I, I feel like it's just now getting light but. It, it was a lot of eye-opening things that I saw here with young artists, but you've accomplished so much now. Like, what do we have to look forward to from you coming up? What's coming up? I mean, I just, I just dropped today. I just dropped the uh, album with uh, with my guys, Verbal Kent, Sunny Jim. We're a group called Iron Wigs. Iron Wigs, Iron Wigs. Yes, sir. It's my get back. I was a part of a group now, Defunct, Chris Spencer. It's my get back. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm showing the world it's what the love really looks like. We put together this album like almost two years ago and it's out on Mellow Music Group and I'm here sitting around like I'm not on the top tier. I don't have an album on a top, top tier record label who I, who I respect. I respect Mellow Music. Shout out to them. And they put out some hard hitters and I feel like 
man, you know, I feel like I'm working. I'm just going to keep working because, you know, I, I, I've been showing that, you know, the work has always been going to be the focus. But all of the people that I work with, they got that verified check by, the, by their names. You know what I mean? It just shows where my direction is going. I don't need that. I don't need that verification and all of that. It just shows me where I'm going. That I'm able to deal with all those guys. Verbal Kent, who's verified. Sonny Jim, who's verified. Mellow Music Group, who's verified. And then here is Big Fix, Big Spencer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, when you look at it like that, like man all you can do is just keep working keep you know my purpose is always going to be said through my music always going to be shown through my demeanor and I, that's the one thing I want to do is just keep working and um, I got shit load of albums dropping I dropped this is my third uh, project you know if I, I feel like if I'm on all the songs then it's my album so even though it's a trio group you know what I mean we all can treat it like it's our album and this is my third effort of the year I dropped Psychological Cheat Sheet first quarter. I dropped No Shine Skimps on 420 for all the weed heads. And then now I got the Iron Wigs, you know what I mean? And I got Spencer for Hire 3 coming this year, you know what I mean? I'm working on an incredible album with A Villa. It's like, you know, I got a lot on my plate. But at the same time, I'm just going to keep working, you know what I mean? I, I got a lot of stuff that I, I, everything that I'm recording right now ain't coming out to 2022, you know what I'm saying? Late 21, 2021. Like, what I'm recording in the studio right now, that it ain't coming out, you know Everything that i putting out this year was done a year or two years ago, especially at 8 Village shit. That shit, we've been working on this shit for like six years. He'll tell you that. I just keep working because I got different I got different landmines all over the all over the underground scene. I got different landmines. So I, I feel like, man, I'm making it work for Vic Spencer as opposed to uh, what people should think. I, a lot of people think I should be further along, but I work like I'm further along. So it almost feels the same. You feel me? This we talking about, you know, drowning yourself in the music. It almost feels the same. You feel me? No doubt, man. No doubt, man. Shit. Let, let everybody know where we can find you on uh on the internet, man. You know what I'm saying? We'll drop your social medias, man, so everybody can get in tune with you. Everything Vic expensive, man. On Apple Music, Spotify, everything. YouTube, Vic Spencer. You know what I'm saying? Everything. Uh, Vic Spencer on Facebook. You know? uh, so, yeah, Vic Spencer. You know what I mean? The King of Living. You feel me? <laughs> King of Living, no doubt, man. That being said... We gonna go ahead and get up out of here. We got a we got a pretty full plate today, man. So, uh, man, we appreciate your time, man. Dropping hella gems on us, giving us a lot of insight, man. And we gonna uh, slide, you know. Peace to you guys, man. You already know. I'm your friendly neighborhood. <laughs> oh, already, yeah. right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. On behalf of Beat Stars, I'm your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Ill Brown. This is your man, Trox. And this is your girl, Candy. And I'm Vic Spencer. <laughs> and shout out to our producer, John. And, and that's Vic Spencer. And all, all of us, all we do is make dope shit. And with that being said, we'll see you on the next episode where to be some more dope shit. Peace, blessings. You know what I'm saying? Peace. All that good stuff. Holla. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Beat the Block. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps the show a lot. See you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.